Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. Today is Power Hour every week. I can't speak English. Every week we power rank something every Wednesday during the season. This week we are power ranking the Ten Commandments, not the the original ones. We did a little spinoff. The Ten Commandments (laughs) of the 20... It's the original power rankings here. The OG power rankings were the Ten Commandments, yes. Exactly. Wow, those are, are the OG power rankings. <laughs> I didn't really, think of well, that. I feel like those are even a ripoff. I feel like they were Ten Commandments before that. And that's kind of like the ag- they aggregated, like, you know, the previous. You don't have to go into all that. Anyway, we are sure, sure. power ranking the Ten Commandments of the 2021 fantasy football season after eight weeks. We're going to go through that. But first, a lot of news, a lot of stuff happened today. First, really... Depressing one to start. Uh, Raiders receiver Henry Ruggs is facing a driving under the influence charge after a fiery vehicle crash early Tuesday in Las Vegas that left a woman dead and Ruggs and his female passenger injured. Authorities said, according to the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, Ruggs was driving a Chevrolet Corvette a little before 3.40 a.m. It crashed to the rear of a Toyota RAV4. The Toyota caught fire. The driver died. The police said she was not immediately identified. Ruggs 22 years old, quote, showed signs of impairment, police said in a statement, and that he will be charged with felony DUI resulting in death. Yeah, I mean, there's re- there's really nothing to say other than, you know, our hearts and our thoughts go out to uh, the, the victim here, and, and it's a terrible, terrible situation. It's just very, very sad, and the obvious thing is here, don't drink and drive. I mean, there's really nothing else to say about this at the moment. Yep. Yeah, this is a horrible situation. There's no segue from that so but we will just move on but yeah that's yeah. absolutely horrible all right but the other i mean kind of overshadowed in a way but the the trade deadline was today um the trade yeah, deadline, we were thinking about even doing a pod about the trade deadline but it turns out nothing happened it sucked it was nothing <laughs> no one was traded i don't think any relevant skill players were traded i mean the only guys even in the weeks leading up to this i guess were mark ingram and zach Ertz. are those the only relevant fantasy guys that even really were traded uh Deshaun Jackson was released. That's not really the same I said thing. Relevant. <laughs> true. <laughs> true. Um, no, no nothing, it, nothing really materialized. I know a lot of people had the idea and the hope that maybe the Titans would trade for a running back or something like that. It ended up just being signing Adrian Peterson off the off his couch. Um, Odell Beckham was not traded. Oh my! Did you guys? All right, the, dude, all right, the thing with his dad. Did you? I know you saw the headline, but did you actually see the Instagram post where his dad was like kind of calling up Baker? Like, did you read the Instagram post? No. Was he okay. breaking down tape? Let me pull it up. Well, I thought Odell posted a video of him not being thrown to while open. No, it's Odell Beckham. His dad is named Odell Beckham Senior. That's why you got to cl- read past this, the headlines, guys. Come on. Okay, let me pull it. Up. <laughs> so his dad was like. The hashtags are so so he posted a video that was basically like Baker missing Odell like he posted a video of a YouTube video that he did not make of like Odell just not getting all these balls when he's wide open from Baker and I gotta read uh, <laughs> sure that's here. gonna go the, over well in the, the caption yeah. is quote generally behind the scene but not today and then the hashtags are I'm a father before anything my twin 
my ace, and he says, playing hashtag playing hurt, hashtag I hurt for him, hashtag this really hurts, hashtag very hurtful, hashtag disrespectful, <laughs> hashtag when I hurt the hurt, I know, hashtag too many hashtags, I love my son, dude. hashtag hashtag for love, you, Paige, hashtag Beckham legendary. I wish my dad would Instagram about me with the hashtag uh, I hurt for him. This is love. This is what love looks like. Love makes you nuts. Love it. This is love. LeBron James tweeted, free OBJ. We're officially in free this person territory. Uh, LeBron's a Odell Browns Beckham. fan. Is he? Well, he's, I think he's friends with Odell more than he's a Browns fan. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually respect Odell's dad for st like just still being a helicopter dad, even though he's in the NFL. <laughs> this sucks, though. This just makes the whole situation worse. No one wins in this scenario. Yeah. yeah. I saw uh, Clarence Hill from, he's a Cowboys writer wrote today, tweeted today, Odell Beckham wants out. His relationship with Baker Mayfield is beyond repair. So that's great. Wow. <laughs> Can you guys imagine if I just started tweeting on my own or my dad just started tweeting like, <laughs> Craig needs more airtime on the fantasy pod. Yeah. This is ridiculous. He's had so many opportunities and he gets talked over by high fits. <laughs> Can you imagine if he posted a video of all the times where that's like, great. yeah, it's just, just something. I just cut you off where I was wrong about something. You're like, who's the real problem? <laughs> he cuts all the clips together puts it on TikTok bunch of hashtags <laughs> free Craig oh my god that'd be great actually that would be fun that would let's try let's try anyway so we have traded uh, okay, Craig Rollback to the Ringer NFL show in return for what DK what do you think we could get from the Ringer NFL show for Craig <laughs> I'm not gonna <laughs> what do you think that. we could get what do you think Craig's <laughs> trade value is you get like five takes from Kevin a year that you guys get to use on this show. <laughs> no, it's, it would definitely be conditional. Like it would be conditional based on Craig's performance. And then like how many appear, like we get certain amount of appearances from, from Kevin. It'd be like the Carson Wentz deal. Like if Craig, 75% of episodes, we get Kevin for like this, like a first rounder. I don't know. The pod numbers need to go up or else you don't get anything in return. Exactly. Got to make the pod playoffs. That's really the key. We got to get a Webby award. Okay. Anyway, no one cares about any of this. The trade deadline sucked is the point. The one thing, the Von Miller mm. trade, do we want to talk about this at all? It's not really great for fantasy, but like, that's kind of cool. Right, the Rams got right. Von Miller. It's amazing. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. I think the Rams are clearly shooting for the Super Bowl this year, which is fun. Um, I love it. Yeah. They're playing Madden. They're playing I, fantasy. So giving up your draft picks, like, so the Rams have, they'll basically have like a, like a fifth and maybe another fifth and maybe they'll get a third for next year. Yeah, they draft. might get some comp picks or that's something. That's literally it. I like Stephen Rees literally just said this in Green Room today, and I loved it. The analytics obviously thinks this is a terrible trade because getting rid of a second and third rounder for Von Miller to play nine games for you is probably a terrible idea, and getting rid of all your draft picks is probably a bad idea. However, Stephen made the point, this is to beat Tom Brady. That's yeah, it. I actually yeah. completely agree. Like, you have to go win a Super Bowl somehow. And I kind of, like, is it crazy to get rid of your picks? Yeah, it's pretty nuts. But once you've decided to do it, whatever. You better go win. They're too deep. They're in already now. in. That's so what's the, one exactly. more? Yeah, no half measures. Like for real. Exactly. You can't give up like eighty percent of your picks and then stop. Like you kind of gotta right. like, <laughs> commit. They're gonna. They're gonna regret it, or not? They're gonna. They're not gonna regret it. They're going to feel this in a few years when their depth is gone to shit. But they'll cross that bridge when they get to it because, like, honestly, it's hard to win in the NFL. I kind of like this. Like, push all your chips in. You know. Like, well, be the it big sounds stack good the to table. say push all your chips in, and then when you lose your chips, you're like, "Damn, I wish I had some chips." Like, it's easy to say now. I sure, of course, if they lose, it's going to be disappointing. Um, but that's the gamble they're taking, right? Like, they could lose; they'll they might lose anyway, and then those those picks down the line turn into guys that take three or four years to develop, or maybe never pan out at all. And like, I don't know, just go for it. Just just Can also, you know, you know who likes this Rams fans. Rams fans are happy. You know what? Can I also say the one underrated part of this, which is that the Rams play in their own building for the Super Bowl this year. Like the Rams are hosting yeah, the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't think that can be overstated. The NFL has gone so ridiculously out of their way to advertise this $5 billion stadium that, I mean, has this, has this stadium been on primetime like half of the week so far? I mean, the, the, the NFL <laughs> has just gone out. Like the Chargers and Rams have one or the other has hosted a primetime game or the four o'clock marquee window almost every week. It feels like they're trying to advertise this building and remind you constantly football's in a life football's in a life football's in a life. Go to the building. The Rams really do probably want to win. Like this Super Bowl is more than a Super Bowl. If you win in LA, 
That's how you build a fan base. Like people kind of don't give a shit about a football team until they're good. And if you win the Super Bowl at home, that will actually build your business. Like I actually think from ownership on down, they're fine with this if they win. Hell yeah. Screw, you know, actually wanting to win for the sanctity of the game. No. This is a brand <laughs> opportunity. Yes, it's LA, Craig. Everything uh, that seems pure is a brand opportunity. The Rams are not football players. They are influencers. Oh, it's boy. actually a really good way to put uh, it. Okay. Does it feel like the dream of a LA versus LA Super Bowl is slowly starting to fade away? Huh? Yeah, the Chargers are I'm taking a step back. But I mean, it's still certainly in play yeah, sure. uh, because the AFC sucks. And that would be the coolest Super Bowl ever. I really want that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> what? The coolest Super Bowl ever? Who cares? There's no Chargers. Oh, no. that'd be fun. Okay, not the coolest Super Bowl ever. You always take what I say a little literally, but it would be fun to have the Rams <laughs> and the Chargers playing in LA at the Super Bowl. That'd be pretty cool. You don't think so? Heifetz, it would Heifetz be cool. I'm just choosing like, a very it, weird hill to like. Wouldn't be it be a, awkward to get upset about this? But wouldn't it be awkward for the chart? Like, I guess, like, because it would be. So, it's the Rams building. It's such an awkward setup. Like, yeah, the but Rams the, build, the Chargers play there, right? They do, but the charge, like, it's the when the Giants and Jets shared a building, everything was equal. It was written into the lease. It, like every they, the amount of paint they could use, every inch of decoration, fifty fifty. It's like the, the building is in the shape of the old Rams logo. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows noticed that. <laughs> I don't think that's a big uh, anyway, big whatever. factor. I think what they would do is do you think they would cut the um like each logo in half and do like a like a split logo in the middle of the field? That'd be cool. Half oh, charger, yeah, half would, ram. They would not. They'd probably just do the NFL one, but they should because that would be really cool. That'd be sweet. Also, like McVay Staley, that'd be cool. I don't know. Oh, it would be cool. I'm sorry to be a downer. I just like it's. I don't know. The Chargers just look weird. <laughs> Came around. Uh, let's get to the power ranks. Yeah, here. who cares? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we got on any of the things we just talked about. That's all right. That usually happens. All right, power hour time. If you don't know what a power hour is, we're going to talk about something. We're going to rank it, and then you'll hear this sound to tell us to move on. Yeah, baby, Tom Tom Club. Tom Tom, <laughs> the eternal thing. By the way, Tom, one Tom of our Club. listeners said that this that jingle is his uh, his ringtone. So every time it went off, oh. he thought that his phone was ringing. That's incredible! Wow. Uh, have we? Yeah. Wait, Hive, you said that we're doing the ten ranking the ten commandments of the twenty twenty one season after eight weeks, right? I, I believe I said that. I'll say yes, it again. We're ranking it. the ten commandments of the twenty twenty one season after eight weeks. Does the that, ten commandments for, for those who are wondering what that means is so, sort of like lessons learned, aka the memento thing, where this is what we're telling ourselves to remember. This is what the like our new rules for drafting. Uh, based on what we learned halfway through the season. Does that make sense? We'll likely do this again after the season. I feel like I'm the terse one here, and I don't want to... But did we need to explain to people what the Ten Commandments mean? <sighs> no. Google it. I feel like they got that one. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make us fantasy do we need Moses? To, do we need to explain what uh, what fantasy football is? Well, no, I, yeah, that's less widespread than the Ten Commandments. I think Honestly, that it's harder to describe fantasy football. <laughs> We're going to right. start. Here's what you need to know about the Ten Commandments. A lot, they all start with thou shalt. Actually, that yep. might not be true. M most of them start with that. <laughs> like, some of it's just <laughs> Hold on. Some of it's positive. Quick Google here. Quick Google check. <laughs> well, so wait. Yeah, I guess Craig's makes an important point. Are we coming down the mountain right now? And stop, worshiping your, stop worshiping your Mike Davis false idols? <laughs> is that, is that yes. what we're doing right now? Yes. Okay. Shall we do it? Or Craig, are you, Goog are you Googling the actual Ten Commandments right now? Also, the Ten Commandments are really need to be reordered. It depends on the good. translation. It really does depend on the translation. <laughs> a lot of them start with you shall. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to read our first commandment. Yeah. Which is start the timer. I'll start the timer. Oh, oh God damn. This Two is minutes. a mess today. What is going on with us? <laughs> Thou shalt stick to the average draft position early in your drafts, which is really boring. Um, that's a boring one to start off with. DK, want to explain this one? Yeah. So basically... The old maxim, you can't win your draft in the first round, but you can lose it. Uh, basically, what we've kind of looked at, we looked at ADP, uh, the original ADP from the season, and we sort of just realized almost all of them have been hits. Other than guys have gotten hurt, but you can't really go in basically trying to predict who's going to get hurt, who's not. Um, but in terms of like the top 35 guys or so, there's very few pure busts like guys that just did not play well or got benched or whatever um so the bottom line is the lesson here is trust the wisdom of crowds trust adp in early rounds don't try and reach don't try and get too cute 
just go on, go by ADP, at least somewhere around ADP. You can obviously have your own little favorites here and there. Um, but basically, yes, again, the lesson is don't go crazy. Don't reach in the first couple of rounds because the opportunity cost there is just too great. Um, and this is something that we were saying preseason, but I think we just, it's halfway through the year, we're looking at kind of like what guys have done and it's all confirmed. Yeah, like this may sound counterintuitive, but if if there were any three rounds to auto draft your fantasy draft, it's the first three rounds yeah. because it kind of seems like it just doesn't matter. Literally, I was going through the ADP. I was looking at the top 35 guys and I was like, Every single one of these guys has relatively worked out. Antonio Gibson, who kind of got hurt, but wasn't doing well before that, and Miles Sanders. <clears throat> Excuse me. Those are the only two guys who really just haven't panned out at all. It's pretty remarkable. So if you're in an auction draft... And McCaffrey's hurt, but aside from... Well, yeah. Injuries, there's, there's, injuries aside. There, yeah, the way that we're defining bust is not like they got hurt or, you know, in Calvin Ridley's right. case, he's taking some time away from the game. We're talking about, right. like, performance-based. These guys have been bad. And, you know, it's easy. In a snake draft, there's not much you can do. But if you're in an auction draft, try and spend extra money on getting as many top 30 guys as you can because they, they tend to work out every time. Ooh, I like that. I like that, Craig. Commandment number two. Thou shalt not overreact to preseason news. <laughs> A.K.A. the Jamar Chase Award. Yeah. Um, I think, generally speaking, a good lesson is just don't overreact to anything. Um, but you know, so <laughs> now that you the, say the, it like that, the preseason sometimes it does tell us stuff. You know, sometimes the, there are lessons to be learned. But most of the time, I would probably say maybe not most. A lot of the time, that info that we're getting, whether it's from beat reports or just practice reports or whatever, it's just a huge red herring. Um, I remember in the preseason, I got very excited about Lavisca Chenault uh, based on what we were hearing from training camp. And that, well, I'm not singling out any one reporter because everyone in Jacksonville was saying this. He just looked awesome. And all the stuff that we're going to see from from him this year, everyone's getting super excited. He just hasn't panned out. Um, I think you could say the same for Elijah Moore, though his injury certainly had an effect. But it, it felt like Elijah Moore is the next Antonio Brown, like in preseason, all this stuff. And on the converse converse side, on the opposite side of that, uh, Jamar Chase was basically a bust based on what we were, what we were hearing from training camp. Um, I think the bottom line is it's important to stay grounded to the more <laughs> objective offseason analysis, and in, in Chase's case, like he was, a, he is an all-time prospect. Like based on the models that I've seen, based on some of the the variables that people like to use in, in determining who a good prospect is, he's like an all-timer, one of the best in the last ten years. Basically, him and Amari Cooper have been considered two of the best rookie receiver prospects of the last like decade or so. And we should have remembered that. We should have been, been more. Um, I guess anchored to that or whatever, and try not to get too influenced by all the the preseason uh, lack of hype. Um, and I mean, obviously, what we've seen from Jamar Chase is awesome. I think right now he's the wide receiver too. So um, that is a lesson that I'm definitely going to have to take to heart. Even though I was, I love Chase. Like he was one of my favorite prospects. I still kind of fell for it, and, and you know, got a little down on the idea that he could be the elite elite receiver that we were sort of like hyping him up to be. Um, so yes, I, th I think stay grounded to the objective stuff. And, and sometimes the beat reporter reports are a little subjective and you don't really know what to believe. Avoid the clickbait. I think that's my advice. You can't avoid all news. Some of it's important. It's the clickbaity stuff like Antonio Gibson, the next Christian McCaffrey. It's like, is that probably going to happen? <laughs> right. Jamar Chase can't kiss the football anymore. You're like, does that actually make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, that's that is that is that this is all like easy to say. It's harder to do in practice, but something that we should remember. Just like the Ten Commandments. Exactly. A guide to live your life by. There you go. Commandment number three. Thou shalt not assume too much about scheme usage or pace. Yeah. So this one I think is is intriguing because we base a lot of our offseason projections and rankings and all that stuff on what a team did last year. However, you have to remember. There's so many freaking variables that it's very difficult to predict what a team will do year over year. Case in point, the Cowboys last year, one of the pass heaviest, highest pass rate, like all out aerial attack, blah, blah, blah. Um, all we heard about that, that's all we heard about last year. Of course, the problem was they were doing that in part, or at least probably mostly because of the fact that their defense sucked. Now their defense is actually pretty good. Um, I don't know if anyone really projected the defense was going to take this big of a jump, so that was definitely well, a variable. Say, but we did adjust for the Cowboys, though, didn't we? We, we all knew they were going to take a step back in terms of how much they were throwing and stuff. We, I, yes, I think we did. I think it was we came into this with the idea that the Cowboys are unlikely to pass at the same rate. However, I don't know if we... 
I don't remember saying like they're going to go back to being like early Dak career where they're just one of the most run heavy teams, one of the most balanced teams in the NFL. I don't think we ever went that far. I think we kind of Cowboys defense is a it's a lot better than we thought, and that I think is what people didn't predict. I mean, I don't remember anyone saying this Cowboys defense is going to be awesome. Like, do you do you remember that? I I don't remember anyone saying that. Michael Corson said it. That was that was the only person I heard say it on Hard Knocks. (laughs) There you go. Believe Uh, him at the time. Maybe we need to listen to him next time. But I think we should listen to the clickbait. That's really the lesson here. Like Michael (laughs) Parsons said it. It was clickbait, and I should have listened to it. (laughs) I, I think so. Dan Quinn, to his credit, has done a really good job of changing this defense and kind of putting guys in the position to succeed and coming in and not playing his style of defense. That was something they were talking about on the game the other day. Basically, Quinn was like, look, you have to be realistic. Things change. People figured out my defense that I was running with the Seahawks, and he changed things. Um, so getting back to this commandment, like you can't assume everything is going to stay the same year over year. I don't think we adjusted enough for the Cowboys going back to a really run-centric offense. And because of that, we probably overrated slightly guys like C.D. Lamb and Mari Cooper and underrated potentially. I, we didn't underrate Zeke, but I think people were kind of of the thought that he was just going to sort of fade out and that they weren't going to utilize him as much as they have been. So um, give me a few other examples, Craig. Uh, I mean, Kamara never got three down work before, and that changed this year. Mike Williams was never a focal point of the offense, and people didn't really factor in that they were getting new coaches and potentially a whole new scheme. Brandon Ayuk. I mean, there's there's just a lot of stuff that, um, you know, can change on a yearly basis. So bottom line, we can't always just translate the scheme or pace or usage of guys year over year. And we have to remember that. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, there's like a two minute timer and sometimes you need three <laughs> things change. I fit is so upset about this sometimes. Right. Number four. I like this one. Thou shalt not trust Kyle Shanahan. This I mean, is the only one to me that I itself. think is rock solid, like hundred percent of the time. This is like thou shalt not kill. Yeah, this is really, we should have put this number one. I regret it. This is the, the real, like the other commandments are sort of like suggestions to live by. Like this is a good one. Uh, this is the real <laughs> one. Um, yeah, I mean, look at, we just talked about Brandon Ayuk. I think the Brandon Ayuk one was, um, there was some, there was some evidence to suggest that his role wasn't clearly going to be as big as it was in the second half of the season because second half of the season last year, everyone else was hurt. So I think there was at least this thought that his role could diminish slightly. I don't think anyone was like, he's going to be on the Dante Pettis career track. Rotation with Trent Shurfield. (laughs) Yeah, there's a difference between he won't get his job back like as the number one guy and that he will just not really be a receiver. I think he's actually going to have a better second half. But there you go. Look at me. Trusting Kyle Shanahan. Also, the Trey Sermon thing. We're like, hey, they traded up for Trey Sermon. They probably want to use him. Nope. All three of your running backs will get hurt, and you'll just give the ball to the fullback because you don't like Trey Sermon. It's incredible. And you know what? This isn't just like an us thing. This isn't even just for the people listening, a you thing. The Niners shouldn't trust Kyle Shanahan because it's clear if you look, like, it seems like Kyle Shanahan has an outsized influence in picking their offensive players, both free agency and in the draft, and that the team and John Lynch's role is more like to pick the defensive players. Well, guess which one the Niners hit? The defensive players. Is this actually the this this is actually the exact parallel to thou shalt not honor false idols? Oh my god. <laughs> That's what <laughs> So Shannon we and Mike Davis Shannon are the false, false idol. Uh, he's the golden calf. Um can you, I just want to throw out that, it, like, if Zach Taylor and Kyle Shannon have opposite PR, but can you imagine if Zach Taylor was doing what Kyle Shannon was doing, Kyle Shannon was doing what Zach Taylor was doing? Ooh. Ooh. The Bengals coach, Good Zach one. Taylor. That's all. Speaking of anchoring to narratives. All right. Number five, thou shall not forget that sometimes the boring draft pick is the correct draft pick. This is a this is a big one. Also, you can you can kind of fit in here the Glansbergs. The oldies and the Glansbergs win championships. It's never fun, but you got to stick to it. The Derrick Henrys, the Travis Kelseys, the DeAndre Hopkins, the players nobody's talking about in the in, in the later rounds. Lenny Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Adam Thielen. Yeah. These are the guys who year after year. You have to ask yourself, why do teams keep signing these players? Oh, because yes. they're veterans and they're good yes. and they know how to play the game. And like Melvin Gordon's a good example because it's like, generally speaking, like Javante is going to have a higher upside than Melvin Gordon. But there's a point where Melvin Gordon falls in a draft so much that it's a value. And that's the hard part is figuring out where is Melvin Gordon uh, a flaccid pick? And at what point is that actually like a really good value? I think one of my first lessons in fantasy was 
that you shouldn't always pick players that you think are actually really good. Um, yeah. In, in other words, you have to sometimes pick players <laughs> that you think are not very good because it's easy to get like distracted by up and cover. Like Javante Williams versus Melvin Gordon is a perfect example. Javante Williams, really fun to watch. Breaks a million tackles. Dynamic. Like, I just got done spending the entire summer watching his highlights on, on you know, from college, blah, blah, blah. You get so enamored with that stuff. And People this like is a the lesson. unknown. People yeah. like to take risks. They like to gamble. You like the up-and-coming guy versus the really established veteran. Here's the thing, though. It's a problem, and I, I continually make this mistake. I just need to keep reminding myself this. Coaches trust veterans because they do the little shit, like pass block. They don't want their quarterback to get killed. Like, I understand like pass blocking isn't like the number one priority for a lot of um, teams in terms of like what they want at running back, but it is something that they require a running back to do in some cases. Yeah, um, somebody was just saying that uh, Tony Pollard let up a blitz and and Cooper Rush got killed, and somebody was like, "This is why Zeke plays a lot." Yeah, and maybe that was why he had such he he didn't get hardly any action. It's probably also why Antonio Gibson never got the third down work. Right. Yeah, and it's like everyone talks about his pass catching prowess, but like pass pro is important too. Like obviously these quarterbacks are very important. And then in in like for instance, like veteran uh like uh Fournette versus Rojo. Like Rojo, I think I got enamored with his talent as a runner, which I think you know, he still flashes here and there, but like the little things he doesn't do the little things, he makes too many mistakes, and crucially. Uh, Tom Brady likes Rojo, or sorry, Tom Brady likes Fournette, um, and that's important because he wants a guy that he can trust that is going to run to where he's supposed to be, that's going to protect who he's supposed to, like you know, supposed to, in, in a blitz pickup, all that stuff. And Rojo, meanwhile, is just out here making too many mistakes. Even Rojo if he, screwed up in the season in, in the first game of the season, and it was yeah, like, well, and then it was over. Having a short leash matters. We liked him as like a sneaky lead the league in rushing guy at this time of the year. Well, well no, I, what we said was that whoever wins the Bucks job, if one of them separates themselves, we thought that person would sneakily be like a top ten running back yeah. at the halfway point. I just thought that Ronald Jones had a chance to separate himself. Lenny Fournette separated himself. And he's a top ten guy. Yeah. I think we just hitched our wagon to the wrong guy in this case. We had the right idea with you want to be attached to this Buccaneers offense, but um, this is the lesson to learn that like these little mistakes, they add up and coaches just get fucking sick of it. Or in this case, the quarterback gets fucking sick of it. And these guys are just not going to see the field. This is another example with Damian Harris versus Ramondre Stevenson. Just too many little mistakes. Even if he's a talented runner, too many little mistakes. They add up. You can't trust these guys. And that's why just sometimes the boring guys are the best, the better picks. And I recognize that we're part of the problem because we get well, excited no, no, no. about these. I think guys that too. what we our actual mistake with the Bucks one, because that's a really good example, is sometimes we could be clearer about what we're confident in. We I think we were all really confident that the Bucks would be great this season. At least yeah. I was. I think that we could have done a better job saying Rojo or Lenny will yeah. be good. And that we were like, well, the Bucks will definitely be good. And I think. Ronald Jones is better than Lenny and Lenny might be washed. So like, let's go with Ronald Jones and maybe next year we could be better at the commandment, like separating like what we have like a 90% confidence in and what it's more like 75. Yeah. The the preseason narratives were sort of the worry was, is going to be both of them. They're both going to play a lot and they're going to wash each other out. Well, sometimes you don't know again, Ronald, what was the yeah. huge screw up he had? Didn't he fumble like in the first quarter yeah. of the season? Yeah. Yeah. And like I, sometimes that does just change stuff. But also the, the way he apparently, according to Arians, it was the way he reacted to the fumble. They just didn't trust really? him because he like got all in his own head and he was like really down on the sideline or something. I think this is what Arians was saying. Ugh. And Fournette, meanwhile, if he makes a mistake, because Fournette's made mistakes too. I think he fumbled in that game too, but they stuck with him because he, he was that way. You know, because he's like, fine, I'll fix short term memory, baby. Yeah. So really, what we should do is we should go around and like. Just make all these <laughs> running backs fumble, and we just see how they respond. see how they react. We got to get check the tape on how they react. Yeah, anyway. see, that's the problem. We watch the plays. We should be watching after the plays end. That's like what I learned from that draft day movie with Kevin Costner. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you. You should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 
25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Commandment number six, thou shalt not draft players in the dead zone. This is a Craig one. What do you mean here? So obviously you can't you you can't really avoid this if you're in a snake draft. You can if you're in an auction draft. The dead zone being rounds like loosely speaking three, four to seven, four to eight. Yes, four to seven, I would say is the general dead zone. And what I mean by this is, so I was going through and I was just looking at the players this year through eight weeks who have been hits or misses. And I looked at rounds five through seven and legitimately, according to Fantasy Pros ADP, rounds five to seven, four out of the 20 guys I would consider were a hit. Then Jeez. I went to rounds nine through 11 10 out of 20 guys were considered a hit. So while you can't avoid drafting these guys because you don't know, right? You, you know, if you're in a snake draft and you're looking at Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool, Odell, T. Higgins, Kenny Galladay, Ronald Jones, Juju, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Smith, Robbie Anderson. Yeah, it's really hard. You're probably going to have to pick one of those. But my point is, is the lesson in this is if you're auction drafting one, stars and scrubs is the move. You get as yeah. many guys in the first three rounds as you can and blow your money. And then you wait, you draft a bunch of $5 guys or less like your Marquise Browns and your Mike Williams. Both of those guys went between round nine and 11. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that. It, yeah. It, it, it's a real thing. And, and this is what guys like J.J. Zacharyson talk about all the time. So the dead zone is real. Maybe that's the time where you should draft your quarterbacks and your tight ends. And if we zoom out here, like, why is this happening? Because Craig, you also mentioned how the first 30 picks essentially had like three busts that didn't have to do with injury. Two busts. We zoom out. What's happening is the guys who are ranked at the top are ranked because the whole fantasy is about usage and production, right? And like, mostly speaking, you get the production from usage. The guys at the top are at the top because we roughly feel really confident about how they'll be used. The guys in the 50s, 60s, 70s, we have a better idea, but it's more uncertain. And then the guys in the 90s, 100s, 120s are like the shorter end of the stick for uncertain. But we don't have nearly the confidence in those situations, and they're kind of the back end of the same situations. Well, yeah, the way I think of it is like after the first three or four rounds, we pretty much don't know anything, but we still have to put somebody <laughs> in the fifth round of our rankings. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's the same as the guy in the 11th. They're very similar. Yeah, this is quite the list. Sorry, I don't mean to disrespect Tom Tom. Yeah, I mean, look, so, I mean, you could go through the rounds 9 to 11. There are a lot of hits. Jalen Waddle, Mike Kosicki, Michael Pittman, Mike Williams, Marquise Brown, Tony Pollard, Darnell Mooney, Marvin Jones, Alexander Madison. All these guys hit. I just, I just still am kind of like doing a double take every time I see that Marquise Brown is like a top 10 receiver. <laughs> see, this is what's so amazing. To, all right, we're going to just skip to another. I had this lower, but we're going to do this right now. Number right. nine. Uh, sorry, number eight. Thou shalt not get dynasty brain, which is a really for mm. DK specifically, where you just yes. confuse dynasty and real joy. How did you just say that? And I don't mean this in an antagonistic way, but it's like you were on Marquise Brown years ago. And I was like, what are you talking about? This dude's a rookie who's like barely played it as a foot yeah. injury. And you're like, he's yeah. amazing. And now we're like in year three, but it's like, if you zoom out, that's exactly what is supposed to happen. A receiver is supposed to be good in like year three. So like, why does this happen where people who get so excited about the draft expect too much and then like are out on the player by year three, which is exactly the time they're supposed to be good anyway. Yeah, I think, well, in, in, in most cases, hopefully you don't, you're not out on the player by year three. I think with Marquise Brown in particular, it was like, he was doing so many, like he was so many drops and things like that. It was just like annoying, but we also get impatient. I think human beings in general, especially sure. nowadays, if it doesn't work quickly, we move on to the next 100%, one. Marquise 100%. Brown and Elijah Moore are the same player to me in the <laughs> fantasy context of yes. like people expected way too much fr from this and then like are going to dip. Early. And I'm sure Elijah Moore will be amazing in 2023. Well, maybe Elijah Moore will have a lot of peanut butter smoothies put on 20 pounds and next offseason we'll be like, ooh, Elijah Moore. <laughs> Remember that? We were so excited about Marquise Brown's weight gain last year. 
I think that the way that I explain Dynasty Brain is basically in Dynasty, young players, young up and coming players have a outsized value compared to like production, um, rel- especially relative to like guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, all that stuff. Like the Dynasty number one receiver is not the top scoring receiver necessarily. Like, not like a DeAndre Hopkins or De- Devontae Adams where you're going to get you know, whatever it is, 18 points a game for the next few years, it's guys like Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase who are going to be great for the next 10 years. So Dynasty Brain is basically like it messes with your sense of value in right now, like your value in games this week. Um, And that's definitely something that I've been susceptible to. Get a little too excited about um, young players. I mean, but then there's always exceptions. And so that's also like hard to like gauge you know, because like, look at Jamar Chase. He's the number two receiver in football right now. Um, so it's hard to like, it's hard to separate the two. And last year, Justin Jefferson, 1,400 yards. You know, that was another example where like, I should get more excited about this guy because he's like, he's an elite prospect. He's awesome. He's in a situation where he could have uh, production, could have volume, but not, it's, it's important to remember that like, it's rare. It's It's the outliers that actually produce in year one and are like elite, elite guys from the, from the get-go. Um, there's there's always maybe like one or sometimes there's one like Calvin Ridley for instance was like good immediately, um, but it's it's more common for it to be like a two year thing or a three year thing. A second year jump for rookie receivers is a big deal. Um, but bottom line is like, I, and and again I think these are all lessons that we're trying to learn ourselves and and to tell you guys to to remember. Um, if you're playing both formats, like that's something I'm going to have to definitely remember is like don't get too excited about young players because a lot of times I'm so excited about like the long-term value of these guys. I forget that. And this is actually very related to the veterans thing that we said, the the commandment from a few ago where coaches just trust veterans more. Um, just, just something to remember. DK just renamed Tom, Tom club, Dan, Dan club. <laughs> did I, did I go over by two minutes alone <laughs> there? Yeah. Said, fuck your Tom, Tom club. I'm opening a spite store right across the street called Dan Dan Club. I'd be a really bad debate moderator. Just let me talk. Come on. I, I did. I literally just did. Thank you. Number, well, you needed to get that off your chest. That was actually cathartic. All right. There we go. Commandment. I don't remember no, what one we're on, but commandment next one. Thou eight? shalt draft as You just close used to number this. eight. Now it's, I number, think it's going eight. back to seven. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that. Thou seven, shalt draft as close eight. to the season as possible. This I don't just really like, understand this one as much. You need to explain this to me. Uh, because, I mean, first of all, Travis Etienne got hurt. J.K. Dobbins got hurt. K. Makers got hurt. And then Gus yeah. Edwards got I mean, D- DK, you know this better than anyone. The Scott, your Scott Fish team yeah, where we draft so, like July 4th weekend. I will say... Okay, this that's is, ridiculous. I think this <laughs> that, is well, a... It's aggressive, I think, still, look, it's I, I think actually, to be totally honest with you, I think this is a little bit subjective. Um, because it's a de- double-edged sword. In a lot of cases, you can get really good value if you're drafting early in the summer and you're convicted on a guy you think he's going to be really good and you can get him like three or four rounds earlier than ultimately he ends up being drafted as we get like into August and early September. Sometimes drafts go that late. Um, however, I would say, generally speaking, it's better to wait because the value you can get on those guys is is probably not as uh, significant as like the risk you have with injuries um, if, and, and like, look, my Scott Fishbowl team is the perfect example. We drafted over the 4th of July weekend and I want to read off my, my team, uh, which is bad. It's really, really bad. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a combination of guys got hurt. Just read the um, list. Guys got hurt and guys underperformed or didn't do what they were supposed to do. So first round, this, this is a super flex. Russell Wilson, second round, Aaron Rodgers. Sorry. Let me start that over. First round, Russell Wilson. He's hurt. Second round. Aaron Rodgers, he's been good. Third round, Cam Akers, he got hurt shortly after we were drafted. <laughs> Fourth round, Michael Thomas, found out he was going to miss the first 10 weeks of the season shortly after. <laughs> Allen Robinson, fifth round, he's been Woof. bullshit. <laughs> uh, sixth round, Tyler Lockett, he was good for like two weeks before Russell Wilson got hurt. Seventh round, Deontay Johnson. This is my one good pick out of the first seven <laughs> rounds. I mean, actually, I guess you could say Aaron Rodgers is fine, whatever. Uh, eighth round... Kenny Galladay, been hurt like pretty much the whole year. Ninth round, Claypool, Chase Claypool. Okay, so can we change it to thou shalt not draft on July 4th weekend? <laughs> yes. That's, that's a good, good command. This is the worst. This is like, I-, I compared it to like 
flipping like flipping or landing a tails like 20 straight times like the odds that i would have so many bad picks right in a row and honestly when i picked this team i was like this is pretty good like i feel all right about this um and based on adp and stuff like i had some good values in here i got like alan robinson tyler lockett like i thought these guys were gonna be wide receiver ones wide receiver twos and they've just been terrible which th- this parlays nicely into the next commandment. Yeah, it does. The, uh, thou, thou shalt not try to make sense of fantasy football. Nobody knows anything. <laughs> no one knows how to do this. It's chaos. We're just predicting the future. When you studied all offseason and had your cheat sheet and you showed up to the draft all ready to go and you turn out with DK's Scott Fishbowl team and the guy who forgot it was draft day showed up and is now in first place, yeah. you just have to let it all go. Serenity now. <laughs> Yes. I felt that for my leagues this year, the ones where I left the draft most uncertain, I'm in first place. And the leagues where I was yes. most confident, I'm not. We were talking always about how this. It goes. We talked about this during the offseason. It's like always the teams that you're like really excited about. Like, this is going to be sucking. great. And then the teams you're like, oh God, how is this team going to win? <laughs> is like the team that wins you the fucking ship. It's because yeah. it's normally filled with a bunch of boring veterans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To round it all around. Yes. <laughs> it's like, why do I have Lenny Fournette? Why the fuck the did only, I pick him? Yeah, the only boring vet you didn't want is Mike Davis. Other than that, all the boring vets are great. Man. It really is true, though. I mean, it's like when we get start sick questions and someone's like, Melvin Gordon or Lenny Fournette. It's like, dude, I don't know. No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Lenny Fournette. Unless they're against the Saints, in which case I don't know. You know, it's just like, hey, man. No one really knows. This is supposed to be, you know. I just think I liken it. I, I started liking it. Look, I think there are definitely edges that you can have. And, and I've gotten yeah. to be a better fantasy player by listening, by talking to you guys, by listening to other fantasy pods. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can definitely find an edge and be better than your league mates. But at the end of the day, like you're kind of, you're, you're definitely, um, you know, vulnerable to injuries, to guys getting benched, to, to a million different variables that you don't there know. There is a limit to how much your research can pay off. The margins are slim. The goal is give context to numbers, and then you want to identify the patterns of the types of players who break out, and then grab as many of those specific types of lo- scratch-off tickets as you can and try to hit them. And then that's generally what we're trying to, to help you with. Having said that, a little bit of the Wizard of Oz here. If you're winning, it was in you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say to... Uh... Something actual actionable for this, number nine, just try not to make any sense of it. I think if you think you're a good player, and I think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are very interested in fantasy and and you know are a pretty good fantasy player. Convince your league to have extra flex spots. Because the more yeah, starter spots, the more starter spots that you have, the more players that you're playing in any given week, that's where the margins start to actually pay off. Yes, because anybody can have like a seven team T seven. Seven starter team. That's good. Like and, and, and you can also do that the on kickers start. To, that's where random because it's kind of like the same way a five game series in the NBA is more likely for an upset than a seven. When you only have seven spots and one's a kicker and a defense, it's like well, the twenty point week from the kicker might just lose you. You know what I mean? For the like, you could yeah. lose you the game. Also, I will say this is why the the waiver wire is so important. This is why we do this all season long. It's why we do the podcast all season long. The the waiver wire is important. You got to make moves. You got to be a mover and a shaker. Um, because sometimes your draft just is shit. doesn't work out. And you know, if you're in like a six team or an eight team league and you know, you start your classic eight guys, maybe bump it up to 11, start three flex spots, start four flex spots just to make it seem like, uh, you know, you have to start more players and put a little bit more work into it, a little bit more mental, Mm -hmm. um, stress on your your sleepers pay off more that way. Like if you identify a guy late in the draft and he turns out great, like you're that you're, you got that big edge that way and you can start that guy. Um, so yeah, so I think all that stuff is, is here. Fun. Don't be a bitch with your league size. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Get more friends. That's Craig's. That's Craig's um, league size. Get more friends. Just, if you have a if you have a ten person league, definitely up the number of starters for sure. If you have a twelve person league, also up the number of starters. What you should do is you make a profile on Hinge and say looking for fantasy football league mates. Should we make an app like Hinge, but for people who want to be in fantasy leagues together? It's not a terrible idea. Dang. I think there's. Should we things, cut this I think out there of the are pod? things that do that. Yes. Should we cut this out, or should we let this be into the world and hopefully someone makes it, or should we do the idea ourselves? Can we? I wish we could like verbally just copyright something right now. That's <laughs> ours. <laughs> that should be a thing. It should be. copyright. What is copyright. it? The, the office when he's like, I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> I <laughs> declare copyright. Damn, that'd be nice. <laughs> oh man. 
intellectual property. Okay, we are like three Tom Toms through this thing. Oh my God. All right. It's become Tom 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 Club it's, at this point. It really is. Okay. Last commandment. Thou shalt remember that this should be fun and don't be a dick about the fantasy football. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. My, my piece of advice is listen, draft the guy you want, not the guy that any other website or us have ranked a little bit higher. At the end of the day, no one knows if Trey Sermon is going to start or not. Okay. If you like one <laughs> Shanahan, guy, including others, Kyle Shanahan, who it cannot be overstated, <laughs> traded up for Mac Jones and changed his mind. So, like, literally, like, he didn't know what he wanted to do either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're like, man, I've always kind of liked Marvin Jones, take him. It's all right. It's supposed to be How fun. How relatable is that, though? That, like, we're out here as fantasy football, like, like we are obsessed with this. And we're like, damn, who do we pick? And you look at the actual NFL, and Kyle Shannon is like, should we trade up? What do we... We trade up like, shit, do we really want this guy, though? What do we do? It's like, it's the same thing. I, uh, the Rams got Matt Stafford, and Kyle Shanahan was like, we need to draft up to get a quarterback. I don't know which one, though, but we should. And they're like, okay. <laughs> I don't know which one, but we can't Because your freaking friend Sean got one. Now I need one. Right. Really, that's what the NFC is, right? It's just a fantasy football league between Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, and Sean McVay. It's kind of what Shanahan said to McVay on Flying Coach. He was kind of like, when Julio was up and there was rumors that he was going to get traded, Kyle was essentially like, yeah, we inquired because we just didn't want the Rams to get him. And that's more, it's more of a reason for us to get him is that they don't want the Rams to get him than, than they want themselves. It's kind of like him. how every league has someone that you'd almost get almost as much joy out of them losing as much as you winning. <laughs> I honestly feel that Shot a lot sometimes. Shot in Friday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Back to the German words. It always comes back to the old German words. So have a good time. You know, when you experience a brutal loss, it's all part of the fun. Yeah, I mean, I was going to throw a little bit of uh, nihilism. I think, first of all, yes, this is supposed to be fun. It's a hobby. You're doing it with your friends. Like, try not to get too wrapped up. I know that the, in some cases there's money going on this, but think about it like you're, you're investing in a good time with your friends. Don't get too crazy when you have a bad week. You know, don't get too high when you do have a good week. Keep it cool. The goal also, is with to have fun. And the best way to have fun is to win at all costs. <laughs> I was going to say that. Uh, at the nihilism angle, though. Like <laughs> Talk none as of the, much shit as you can. <laughs> none of the shit matters. We're just specks of dust hurtling through space. <laughs> We're going to be gone and no one's going to remember us. So My favorite DK is nihilistic DK. I love it. <laughs> As he has like a newborn baby, like in the other room, just like like, like Curling's like, oh, we will all die. He's not a just newborn. He's two. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> he's a toddler, Craig. Saying Craig newborn and I know is very all little relative. about the baby aging curve. He's he's <laughs> relatively newly born. Yes. Oh, I can't. Between the ages of like two and now maybe like three and six, couldn't tell you how old a baby is. Just no idea. Can't. Those aren't babies. Like, three three to six year olds are not babies. Whatever. Toddler. I'm in my mid twenties. I'm still a baby. Do you care? Craig, actually, I don't know I, what you're talking about. I 100 percent know what you're talking about. It's, when you have a kid, it it change like it totally changes. I had no idea how to talk to kids before I had a kid. Um, how do you and, talk to kids? Can you? T I've never known. No, I'm not going to do that on here. But you, you just talk do to it. Him. Well, I think the secret is you just talk to him like a normal human being. But I didn't really realize that. I, I just didn't have a lot of experience talking to kids before. Calvin, and pass the salt. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite like that. You got to like inflect a little bit more to get their attention and to get them excited about stuff. Um, and you have to pretend to be excited about stupid bullshit that they like, you know, like little, little toy trucks and things. <laughs> stupid bullshit. I don't have to pretend I love toy trucks. Dude, toy legitimately, trucks here's a perfect example this morning. It's recycling day at the Kelly residence. DK, I still love watching garbage trucks. Every time, every time trucks go by, I'm like, I start screaming at Calvin like, oh, the trucks, the trucks. And he like runs to the window, starts banging on the window. So excited. Uh, you definitely, once you have kids, like you, you I mean, people, I'm sure, have this before they have kids, too. But, like, for, in my case, um, you start to, like, be able to understand and communicate with kids a little better. That's if basically you, you and all the Dynasty receivers. It's like, oh, oh, Elijah Moore. Oh, Marcus Brown. <laughs> run, run, little DK. Banging <laughs> on his computer. Rondale, like, oh! go, little, go, my little Rondale. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin's okay. like approximately the size of Rondale, so that makes sense. <laughs> oh do, you, do you have a nickname for Calvin yet? Do you call him Cal? I don't uh, think he needs a nickname because the Calvin Kelly is an unbelievable name. Do you call him anything else or no? Yeah, we call we call him all kinds of different stuff. Cal Kel? Hyphens, you might appreciate this. We call him Bubby. 
Wow, I love it. Which Why? I think is a Yiddish term for like grandmother. Yes, I don't know exactly. It is. But like it's also been used for for little kids, little cute little munchkins, I guess. Yeah, it's like a bubby. It's just like hey, a little bub- cute little bubby. Yeah. Um, the Bubster. Bubba Rooney. <laughs> Bubster's fantastic. We call him Cal. We call him Calvin. Oh my God. I love it. Can you guys start calling me Bubba? Bubsy? Bubba. I've called you Bubba. Bubba. Oh, we call him Bubba too, which is... uh. You know, like a southern word that we, I don't know how that worked our way into here because I'm in Seattle, but yeah. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. All right, email time. It's from Ben. Ben. Guys, a trade request was made in my league a couple hours before the Monday Night Chiefs-Giants game. The trade was Travis Kelsey for Marquise Brown. It's important to note that the Kelsey owner or the Kelsey manager made the request. I argued in the group chat that this is a severe underpay for Travis Kelsey and Kelsey's positional value and the trade should be vetoed. Multiple people in the league agreed and said the Kelsey manager should at least get more players, a serviceable running back or receiver in addition. Literally hours later, Kelsey put up a dud. Am I the asshole for potentially ruining the trade value for my friend who just needed a receiver? And what would you trade for Travis Kelsey at this point? Well, first uh, of all, the trade should not be vetoed. If the, if both parties agree on the trade, let the yeah. trade go through. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're not your job to manage other people's teams. It's like, no, imagine if somebody if makes a shitty decision. Let them make you a couldn't sell decision. your house. We you sold your house and then you're like, your HOA came in and was like, Hey, Hey, you didn't get enough. We're voiding. We're vetoing the sale. Actually, can they yeah. do that? I don't know. I assume not. David Stern did it. <laughs> what? That's actually the best example of them all. You have followed, we followed all these leagues and all these trades, and there's been one veto in the time we've been watching sports. Yeah. One. In your lifetime. Okay. Anyway, but the no, I th- second yeah. question's good, though. What would you trade for Travis Kelsey? I don't know. I mean, that, that's really hard. I mean, he's still the tight end one, I think, despite the dud. So, Ish. The, the problem with Kelsey, he's the number one tight end, but he's not the number one tight end by a lot, which is what yeah. you drafted him for. Yeah. So last year, Kelsey was basically like 80% better than like the other top five guys. Like Darren Waller was good, but like, you know, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Logan Thomas were like the, th- the real three, four, five at tight end last year. And Kelsey beat them by like eight. He was like 80% better, like eight, zero percent better than the three, four, five tight ends. This year, he's like 12% better. Then those guys, they're like almost as good as he is. And then last year, like the Travis Kelsey, the number one tight end was like twice as good as the number 10 tight end. This year, he's like 50% better than the number 10 tight end. So it's like the gap has slowed down. So it's like, what is he worth now? Basically, it's really a a referendum on like, will the Chiefs turn the offense around? So I'm kind of curious what you think about that, DK. Um. Yeah, it's tough. I think I think what you get the point you guys were making was Kelsey no longer is the outlier tight end. He's just a good tight end. In he's terms not of two players at the same position. Yeah, anymore. exactly. You believe that the, for the remainder of the season, you believe he's no longer going to be the guy he was his whole career. That well, that's the question. I think. Mm. I know he hasn't been, but I will think he it's be? I think it's enough of a question mm. that, especially in this case, vetoing that trade doesn't make any sense. I think there's enough question marks around him. The age, um, the eye test. I, I I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't look like he's as quite as like explosive as he used to be. Maybe he's like fighting through an injury or something like that. Um, also, yeah, the offense. This is a variable that you have to take into account. Their offense has been struggling over the last few I, weeks. I don't think it's an injury. I think it's he's not used to not getting the ball involved early in games. I think it's like a confidence thing. Not that he has a confidence issue, but that when a player who has just been absurdly dominant for like four years just can't get involved and has one catch yeah. for three yards like i think it's it's forgotten like for fans how the players need the ball it's like basketball you need to touch the ball to stay mentally involved mm-hmm. and those it, it's just strange for a player well, who's elite are we are we just basing this off this monday night camp i mean he's he's leads the tight ends and targets he averages nine targets a game no he's still the number one tight end but it's just the question of like would is do you th- 
will he go back to what he was last year? Which again, like people who have him probably took him in the first round or very early in the second. And like to see, yeah. so to see Mike Kosicki have like 11 fewer points or 12 or whatever it is than Travis Kelsey, it's kind of disheartening. It's like, it, you know, it's like the grass is always greener. We're seeing Kelsey number one. The Kelsey people are looking at this like I could have had Mike Kosicki for almost the same, like almost the same production. Right. I would say if you have a serviceable backup, if you can plug and play like a, I don't know, you know, a Dawson Knox and trade Travis Kelsey away for a guy in the top 20, you know, with Justin Jefferson, I might say do it. If Knox, depending on Knox's health, but because he's not quite back yet. You know, but you regardless, point. like a Dalton Schultz. But the more interesting question is, do we think the Chiefs come back? And I honestly thought they were going to come back on Monday night. They looked really bad. I, I really thought. And like the fact that they couldn't come back against the Giants and the Giants kind of did the thing everyone else has been doing. They're putting the two high safeties back. And it's like this referendum. It feels like on the Chiefs. On, I know it's not as simple as like the two high safeties, but it kind of that's what the, everyone's doing. And the Chiefs are struggling. They're not blitzing. Mahomes, what? Yeah. They're putting two, they're camping too high and they're not blitzing. They're just rushing four and, and letting it's Mahomes It's kind of a referendum like, can Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes be patient and like just do boring? Can they, Basically, like, can you be Mike White? Can you just check it down immediately? Yeah. Can you guys be boring? And run. And like the, the Chiefs did this last year. They ran for 230 yards or something in a game because they just, the Beals did this. But anyway, I don't know. I was, I still think the Chiefs will turn it around. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately we're not going to see the same. We're not going to see the the Chiefs offense we saw last night is not going to be the Chiefs offense all year. I think they're still much better than what we've seen. However, we don't know that. And I just think generally speaking, like to get back to the question, like you shouldn't veto trades that are at least I think this is at least like defendable. If you have a crazy, crazy ass trade and it's clearly collusion, that's a different matter. That's a different question. This is not if, collusion. I kind of look just, at it as the guy needs you, a receiver. If your argument is this person should have gotten more and it's a, it's a question, then it, you can't veto it. Like if it's Christian McCaffrey for like someone like that's, you know, if, or if it's like, you know, Dalvin Cook for like, I don't know, some practice squad guy. That's not a debate. That's obviously <laughs> not a fair trade. But like right. people since anyway, we've talked about this a lot. Let's do another case. This one's from Parker. Hey, guys, I run a sleeper league with sleepers an app, a sleeper league where two settings have now controversial defaults. One is that free agents can be picked up anytime, and two, players mm. can be dropped after playing. Someone picked up Adrian Peterson and dropped Jamal Williams. Some people are upset about this and think we should revert the transaction and change the rules midseason. Others think we should change the rules next season and leave it as is. Thoughts? Because this is something I mentioned yesterday of, of like, you can, on some platforms, add a player before waivers if they weren't on a team. So you could rush, beat the official signing of Adrian Peterson to the Titans and get him and beat waivers altogether. Do you guys think I'm sketch? I did that in a league. Do you think I'm sketchy for doing that? No. I don't think no. so either. I think, look, I think, and, and look, we talked about this many times, people should check the settings of your league at the beginning of the year. Rule changes like this should be discussed before the season starts because people are obviously going to be if one guy has an advantage, the other players in that league are going to be like, hey, yeah, like, that's not fair. And then, like, but they have a fucking bias. You know what I mean? Like, another question that we've had, I think, with the Sleeper app, which I think is applicable to this, is on Sleeper, I think sometimes you can pick up a guy who's on IR and put him directly onto IR. You don't have to have an open roster spot. Oh. Um, so... In things like this, in like the way that the set, the way that the apps are set up, the way that the settings are set up, I think that's something that people need to be aware of before the season starts. And if you're trying to take advantage, gain that edge by using the app or uh, pro, like uh, whatever, like ESPN, Yahoo, whatever it is that you're on, platform is the word I was looking for. Like whatever platform you're on, if you want to use like the rules, this is this goes back honestly to to the question of whether Taysom Hill should be able to be started as a tight end. I argued vehemently in favor of people being able to find that loophole based on uh, the settings or the platform. Um, some people feel differently about that, but I just feel like that's something that you should be that should be legal because if you're trying to ask that question in season, obviously the people that are not able yeah, but, to do that are going to be against it. That's kind of unforeseen, <laughs> though. There's some things that are unforeseen. I don't think it's there's a difference between like should you get a should you get a point for a catch and you figuring that out in week two. And there's a difference between that and like, I didn't realize that you could add a player who wasn't on a team on Tuesday when all the other players went like, that's a loophole 
Like this, yeah. let's call it what it is on e like, but on other platforms it's not. And, but it is a loophole. It's a loophole that's available to everybody in the league though. Yeah. But I vote, but it's my weird. vote would be, we, we, this happened in my league. We basically found out that there was some rule that we hadn't fixed that when a, like a Thursday night game would happen, Christian, Maha Christian McCaffrey got hurt and somebody immediately added Chuba Hubbard. And then everybody was like, this, this is not okay. Like the players on the teams playing at Thursday night should all be locked. All the free agents should be locked after the game begins. And we were like, this makes a lot of sense. However, we let the guy keep Chuba Hubbard because it, you know, that's how it is. He was mm -hmm. available. So we let him keep Chuba Hubbard. And then we changed the rule midseason. So I think you let the guy keep AP, and if everybody doesn't like this rule, then change the rule. But he gets AP because he took advantage of yeah. You can change a it. Fair law. You can change it now, or you can change it next year, but you don't revert the Correct. actual action. My thinking on it was game theory. I was like, well, someone can pick him up. I might as well be me. And then I was like, if people blow up in the group chat and are like, that's stupid, I was perfectly happy to be like, yeah, let him go back to waivers. But I was like, if we're gonna have this argument in the group chat anyway, it's gonna be about me. <laughs> that was kind of how I looked at it. Yeah, it makes sense. And then no one said anything. So here we go. Here yeah, I my advice is to let the guy keep AP and then determine as a t as a league whether you want to change the rule now or later. But this goes back to the came in about like having. It's weird. Like there's an app. There's a piece in the group chat that's because we're all having fun, and there's a piece that's the absence of tension. And sometimes it's like you. It's a hard mix sometimes between like, hey, we're doing this for fun. Like we don't want to piss people off. Versus sometimes people get really mad about something. And you yeah. don't want to just, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And you're like, but they're wrong. <laughs> well, you got to pick your battles. Yeah, I know. Okay. Anyway, I don't think the, I don't think that the free agent pre-waivers thing is a battle worth picking. And I didn't think the quarterback tight end thing was worth picking for Taysom Hill either. All right. Can I read you guys one last thing? Yes. The Texas monkey story. Uh, did you guys hear about this? The Texas special. Uh, this is just nothing to do. This is not a segment. I just wanted to discuss this. Did you guys hear about the special teams coach at Texas? I did see some stuff about it on Twitter. I did not read the article. Okay. This is one of those where you see it and you're like, I probably don't care about this for my life. And like, I, you care. Let me tell you. I'm going to read TMZ. A report late Monday night claimed the white-faced capuchin monkey that belonged to the girlfriend of special teams coach Jeff Banks attacked a trick-or-treater and the monkey's jaws having to be, quote, pried open to free the child. Jesus. I hope the kid is okay. Basically, what happened is the special teams coach for Austin, for the for UT Austin, apparently left his wife and children for a stripper whose oh. uh, stripper's name is Pole Assassin. And Pole Assassin <laughs> has a, a monkey that is part gear. of the routine. Yeah. And the monkey's part of it. The monkey collects the tips. There's Instagrams of the monkey with the dollar oh. bill. It's wild. And they're apparently taking in trick-or-treaters on Halloween. And the monkey bites a kid. Not a good situation. However, the kid went to their yard, like the back where they keep the monkey. And so the girlfriend posted a video and then which she quickly deleted where she's like, look how far you had to go into my yard to find my monkey. Well, were they giving out candy in the yard? They in a different part. Apparently, the kid had to walk through a gate. There were like balloons block it. The kid went through and then had to reach. And so it's like, I don't know. Do we need a fantasy court decision here? And like, who's, you know. No, do I don't want to come back to monkey law. <laughs> this is a real court issue. It's, it's like it's so sunny in Philly. It's like bird this is law. like an actual civil case. You're saying yeah. Charlie's an expert in bird law. Was there a beware of monkey sign on the fence? That's what we should follow. I think that discovery. I saw that there was. I think she said it was. <laughs> there like, was. There was like a sign like says "Don't touch the cage, monkey bites" or something like that. There were so many lawyers who listen to the show. I if any of the lawyers have any insight into the monkey case, please email us at rigorfantasyfootball at gmail .com. So Pole did he assassin. leave? Did he leave his wife and kids? Like, like is he divorced from the wife, or is he secretly having I a relationship? I don't know that much about that part. I can't say that <laughs> I, I have. You the, need all to come with details. all the details, buddy. I don't know if they're all out there yet. Although the Pole, uh, Pole Assassin did go on Jerry Springer. <laughs> oh, I see it here. There's, There's a, a video. whole one of the best. Yeah, she has. Craig, a, if you're at work, don't watch that. Is the monkey? In We're this all at video? work. Dude, no one goes to work anymore, DK. There was a pandemic and everything. I am constantly at work <laughs> and not at work. Make yeah, sure you're on like, your personal device. They call it work from any... <laughs> they call it work from home. It's really just you live at work. That's really what would be a better... <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's good branding. Dude, I actually heard that. I like, sleep you, in my office. I don't work, work in my more, room. <laughs> people work more when they work from home. It's, oh, it's 100%. This whole oh, you're thing. telling me. It's Thanks, like unlimited DK. PTO. <laughs> Nobody takes it. I had no idea. Thanks, DK. Oh, man. <laughs> How is the monkey incorporated into the stripper routine? Does he just walk around and collect dollar bills? No, I think it's. I think he's on the pole. 
with the pole assassin. You think he's doing a pole dance? I don't have all the answers. I mean, he I has saw a, a short tail, Instagram so I, clip. I bet you he can do some crazy shit. Oh, is that, it's a monkey. It's probably better than the person. This monkey puts Marcel to fucking shame. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, I just I just wanted to just run through that. It was football adjacent, so it's it's relevant. Thank you, Danny. Yeah, good good one. All right. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Um, thank you, Moses, for the Ten Commandments. We appreciate those. Thank you. Shouts out, Moses. Thank you, Paul Assassin. Thank you, Lorne. <laughs> Lorne. Thank you, thank you, the monkeys. Oh. <laughs> I gotta say, was that the weirdest list of people Heifetz has ever thanked? He thanked, <laughs> it has to be, right? he thanked you, Moses and thank the Paul you, Assassin. Paul Assassin. <laughs> That's the greatest name. I love when there are certain things that happen and you're like, I'm definitively positive that I'm the first person to ever say that sentence. Thank you, (laughs) Moses. Thank you, (laughs) Moses. Paul is Oh my God. That's a Bo Burnham bit where he says, sometimes I'd like to say sentences that have never been said before. Like, (laughs) hey, son, I loved your comedy show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Uh, (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.